This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you once again for joining us. And it's absolute wonderful to have uh, Naomi Wolf, Dr. Naomi Wolf, back with us once again. Naomi, thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Not at all. It's wonderful having you. And if people don't know already uh, how to follow you at Naomi R. Wolf down at the bottom on Getter, dailyclout.io. Um, and Twitter, actually, I, I saw you've been let back and you're still looking at, but no apology for the restriction of information and, and the harm it's done. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I haven't tweeted yet because I'm waiting to be advised by my lawyer because we have, you know, initiated a gigantic lawsuit against Twitter and yeah. these other wrongdoers who have colluded illegally to suppress my constitutional First Amendment rights. Um, a private company is free to censor whom they want, but in the United States, they're not free to get together with uh, the CDC and the the uh, Department of Homeland Security and the White House, all, mm -hmm. all of whom have been confirmed to have colluded with Twitter. So um, I'm waiting, but, you know, as you noted, uh, I, I did post on Getter that, you know, I don't, I don't think it's cute at all. I, I, you know, I don't understand people's kind of, you know, oh, hooray, welcome back. It's so exciting. Th these people, you know, we shouldn't have ever let them become our town square. Yeah. We shouldn't have ever given up the way human beings communicate with each other. We should not have let you know, local newspapers die mm. for lack of subscribers because people got seduced by free news and the free news got scooped up by Facebook and Twitter. Um, you know, this is this is on us. And and we should never again let ourselves be kind of grateful for having our rights given to us. We've seen how that works. So, you know, they they destroyed my life. I mean, mm. in many ways they they I took a, a six figure hit for my company. You know, I, I had investors pull out when Twitter, you know, castigated me around the world as um, a crazy person uh, at the behest of my government for whom I had voted. Um, so I, I don't think it's cute. I don't think it's funny. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go without a fight. They're going to pay for what they did. Not, And it's not just about me. It's about every single voice that was silenced. It's about the principle of private companies, you know, engaging in literally the definition of fascism by coordinating with governments to suppress freedom of speech and dissent. Yeah, no, completely. Um, the other way people can follow you, of course, is Substack. So naomiwolf.substack.com um, and you get those directly in your inbox. And that's also a way of, of supporting you because what you're doing doesn't come cheap. Uh, we'll talk about the volunteer team, but I guess Substack is one way that people can sign up for free, but also they can go for a paid service and that helps you do what you're doing. I appreciate you mentioning that. Thank you. Um, just to be super clear uh, that my Substack is my personal uh, kind of platform on which I share, um, you know, all of my writerly thoughts as a writer and, and, and it doesn't go to daily cloud. I just want people to know that if they want to support daily cloud would yeah. um, please that it, you know, that is super important, especially because we have five legal teams, um, you know, demanding justice of the evildoers of the last two and a half years, which is very, very expensive. So people can get all my sub stacks on daily cloud, but they can also get the work of the 3,500 um, experts that the amazing project director and our COO now, Amy Kelly, has uh, organized into a uh, research fighting force um, that's breaking headline after headline about what's in the Pfizer documents. Um, and we've got a number of really important initiatives uh, to support in 2023. One of them is clean voting, a clean, uh, you know, we're going to pass clean voting bills in 50 states and federally. Um, and of course, you know, we're aiming, as I may have told you last time, at launching a Daily Clout UK as soon as, uh, yeah. as, soon as we can get the funding. But Yes, thank you for mentioning that, Peter, right out of the gate, because we, we are in this crazy time in which there are like, I don't know, maybe under 50 really committed freedom fighters with yeah. uh, national or global platforms. And, and 
so many people are grateful to all of us, but not as many people actually realize we have to pay the bills, we have to pay hosting, we have to pay for equipment, production costs, um, editors, you know, videographers, and and all that support counts. And to your organization as well, I hope everyone's sending Christmas gifts and Hanukkah gifts to Heart Heart of Oak because that's really important to you. Thank you, thank you. And of course, this time of year, Christmas time is time for gifts. And we, I think the first time you were on, we looked at your book, The Body of Others. Uh, and that is available. Uh, if it's too late to get a hardback, I know it's available on ebook and downloadable as an audiobook. Is that What's the deal with that being available? Obviously, I'm here in the UK. It's probably not a book which you would find in your local bookshop. What's the deal over in the US? Has that been uh, restricted at all? Is it simply available online from your website and from Amazon? What's the situation? Yeah, well, Amazon, thanks for asking. Amazon did play a lot of silly games in trying to restrict access. Amazon is one of the bad guys in the bodies of others. So that wasn't surprising. Um, That seems to have calmed down. But you're quite right that, you know, all of my books, you know, I've been doing this for 35 years, right? I've written seven bestsellers. And most of them have been bestsellers in in Britain. And uh, I have you know, long-standing ties with the UK. I lived in the UK for many years. I lived in Scotland for many years, you know, Oxford. Literally everybody in Britain who says they go into Waterstones or they go into even Blackwell's, you know, or, yeah. or you know, any of the, any bookstore asking for my book, it's not out, you know, The Body of the Brothers is not out. And um, there's a kind of grudging willingness to order it. Yeah. Um, and the same is true in the United States. Uh, there, there. I mean, it was bizarre. We sold more copies for a number of weeks than the copies that were on the New York Times bestseller list of other books. Clearly, like like thousands and thousands more copies. And the New York Times just would not put me on its bestseller list. So, it, you know, The Bodies of Others has had a, a journey, uh, but it's getting into the hands of readers. You can get it on Amazon, I believe. You can get it. Sometimes Amazon will say we don't ship there, which is something Amazon never says about anything else. Um, anywhere. And um, it, and you can get it at allseasonspress.com. But I do want to tell people, very exciting, uh, there's a gift boxed set that's just been made available of my book and Robert Kennedy Jr.'s The, uh, the Real Anthony Fauci together. Mm-hmm. And I really do think that's so exciting, quite historic, because I do feel like those books should be read side by side. Um, RFK Jr.'s book really tells the inside story of the crimes of Dr. Fauci, not just now, but leading up to now. He's he's not new at crime. Um, and, and my book kind of gives the uh, social and cultural and economic background for uh, how Dr. Fauci exploited and, and probably helped to launch the um, the illnesses and 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 you know promoted these injections of the last two and a half years um, to the detriment of all of us. Yeah. So I'm really excited to tell people that that's out there and encourage them to gift it to your loved ones, especially those who don't believe any of it. <laughs> well, it is a perfect Christmas present. It is a perfect to give to people. And that box is available on dailyclock.io. Was just there on the left hand side. People can click on it and order it. Now, Naomi, you. Um, You've found a daily cloud back in 2016, um, and this year, 2022, you've done a, an overview of what it's been like and the three areas you kind of focused on in it were what legal webinar, webinars to help citizens fight back against officials and employers, five freedoms draft legislation to protect freedoms, and Pfizer vaccine trial research. Now, certainly for me personally, it's, it's the Pfizer vaccine trial research that I know uh, much more about. Uh, tell us about the the legal webinars because many people have found themselves in problems, certainly at the workplace and in in different areas with officials, uh, with the, the the tyranny we've all faced. So, tell us about those webinars and how they can assist the public. Sure. Um, oh, just a note. Uh- I, I co-founded it uh, with a co-founder named Lisa Thomas, um, but I am the CEO and president. And so thank you for that um, summary of our huge you know, milestones in 2022. Again, with everyone's support, we could not have done it without the support um, of, of your audience and, and others. Um, so the legal webinars are, are really an incredible model. Um, they're 
most of them have been with this lawyer in Buffalo, New York, named James Ostrowski. And he is a fierce freedom fighter, but he's also very, very good at explaining legal processes to people. A huge part of our mission in our kind of core uh, deliverable is that we, you know, aim to demystify legislation. We aim to make democracy more usable by absolutely anyone um, to disintermediate the experts who are trying to shut people out of the process. And so it's definitely on, on mission for us on brand to have a wonderful lawyer explaining to people, saving them thousands of dollars, how they can file their own lawsuits, um, civil suits, and, and also crim file criminal charges. So he did two really powerful webinars, one in which he explained to people who were very upset about uh, at that point, um, masking children in schools and, and injecting children and teens with mRNA injections in schools without parental consent. Um, in the United States, he taught people how to file civil charges themselves, basically, against any elected official from the school board all the way up to the governor, you know, all the way up to on a federal level, which I love, like, why not, right? These people are absolute criminals and they need to be personally accountable because so much of what we saw in the last two and a half years came from a clear sense of impunity. You know, these people thought they would never be held accountable personally. And uh, the other thing he taught people is how to file uh, criminal charges um, with, for instance, uh, your local sheriff's office. Um, for instance, if they're masking your child, mm -hmm. you know, you you notify, you know, the authorities that they're they're engaging in child abuse, and that's not a slam dunk. You know, you you still have to have enforcement, but it did. I know that that all of these citizens filing all of these actions across the country, um, whether they were gestural or not, whether the authorities followed up or not, did create second thoughts and they, it changed the atmosphere. And as a former political consultant, and the same with the Five Freedoms campaign, where we met with legislators in five states to pass bills uh, ending the state of emergency, ending mask mandates, ending vaccine mandates, uh, allowing freedom of assembly um, and opening schools, because at that time schools were closed. We, we may not have passed all those bills in every state, mm -hmm. but legislators have told us that the scrutiny and the empowerment of citizens really um, created leverage, uh, a leverage point um, to, to break up that kind of mass of tyranny and impunity state by state. So I know, I know that that's, I know that's powerful because, um, you know, people think twice when they get a lawyer's letter or when their criminal charges filed against them. Uh, they, they may not go right to jail, but they, mm -hmm you know, they, they don't forge ahead in quite the same way. Tell us when you look back, because I think one of the main focuses of, of uh, Daily Cloud when I started was looking at legislation and Bill Cam is, is there and it's quite a unique feature showing what is happening, who's proposed amendments and everything is there. I know from working in Parliament here in the UK, it's sometimes extremely difficult to find out what is happening to make any sense of it. But yeah. that was your focus. But And what's happened over the last... 18 months or so is probably a move away from that, although it is still looking legislation, but many other attacks. And as you kind of finish the year, what are your thoughts as you look back on what actually Daily Cloud have, uh, have achieved in a changing environment, I guess? I love your questions. Thank you. Well, just, you know, you're right to notice that uh, Daily Cloud, the editorial side, mm. has um, really, uh, I wouldn't say split away from legislation, the legislative focus, but, you know, expanded because of the, yeah. the urgent civil rights um, threat posed by mandated vaccines. Like we're not, we weren't founded for health freedom. You know, a lot of, a lot of the people we work with, a lot of our, our allies, you know, were founded for health freedom, mm -hmm. but right now in history in the West, certainly and globally, the, the way that um, human liberties are being restricted and, and human life is being threatened and crimes are being committed is through uh, the weaponization of medicine um, or medical discourse and medical interventions, medical interventions. Um, so that, you know, we have devoted a ton of editorial focus to that. Um, but the, the 
kind of product side is is still robust and we're kind of increasingly uh, separating you know these into kind of two um not two companies but two mm-hmm. brands really because uh, we are just launching our business to business product which i'm so so excited about where you can you know if you're an advocacy organization you can get just if you do you know, healthcare, you can get just healthcare legislation in your own portal. If you're in finance, you can get just banking legislation in your own portal and so on. So that'll empower everyone, you know, but it'll it'll also be, you know, specifically focused on um, presenting legislation in a way that is uh, specific to your own, whatever it is you're interested in specifically. Um, and I want to say that 125,000 people have used BillCam um, a month. So, you know, it's really successful. Um, so we're going to keep growing, but in, in parallel tracks. Um, and as you mentioned, Daily Cloud itself, the big uh, project that, um, you know, that really was the hallmark of 2022 was this amazing um, assortment of 3,500 experts going through the Pfizer documents. And I'm so proud of them and of Amy Kelly. But tell us about that because I know we've touched on it before. But that was a a mammoth effort, and no, I guess the data was released in a way that didn't make sense and wasn't possible to analyze it. Uh, most people then would have put on social media and complained about that. <laughs> but actually, it's a different thing to complain in the situation and doing something about it. And you pulled together that team, and if it wasn't for uh, the efforts of those volunteers connected with Daily Cloud, with uh, War Room, then the public wouldn't actually have been aware of all of the failings through that process. Yeah, that was honestly, I I just can't even explain the success of that project, um, you know, without feeling like we had some kind of metaphysical wind at our backs, <laughs> because uh, you can imagine, and I really cannot take credit for it. I mean, when I tried to say, okay, we're going to uh, put a call out for experts to read these documents, mm. because I really do believe in and have had good experience like crowdsourcing um, expertise. That's part of the uh, idea behind BillCamp, right? Like people can comment on these dense pieces of legislation and illuminate them um, yeah. kind of collectively. Um, but when I, when, you know, before the great Amy Kelly, you know, I, I, I and, and, and even my colleagues, we were herding cats. I mean, it was like literally beyond anyone's managerial yeah. ability or, or even like how do you even digitally manage 3,500 experts reading through 55,000 documents? Yeah. But Amy Kelly has supernatural powers of management and organization. I, I literally don't understand how she does it, but she came in and, you know, the only credit I can take is that I recognize incredible leadership skills when I see them. And uh, she did us the honor of becoming our project manager and, um, and now our COO. Uh, as well as our project manager. And she just magically organized these 3,500 experts in medicine and science, biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, um, data analysts, uh, you know, lab clinicians, physicians, nurses into six teams. And then there's kind of an expert group reviewing the work of each of the six teams. And then it goes through a, a, a checking process um, with a meta team. And then it goes through editorials so that we take, and this is, again, this is the only other little piece I can take credit for. It's very hard to turn um, even the most accessible medical writing into journalism that everyone can understand, but it's so important for everyone to understand it. So there's a robust kind of back and forth to get those reports readable and then, and then we launch them. But um, I, I, I've just got to credit her and, you know, and these 3,500 people who are literally around the world working for free, drawing on their expertise, many of them can't even be named because they're kind of doing it surreptitiously because they would get fired, you know, if they use their expertise publicly to help their fellow human beings and to stop the greatest medical fraud in, in human history and, and not just greatest medical fraud, but to stop it, what has is clearly turning into a mass murder event. So I, I just like, it's so beautiful that, that these 3,500 nameless souls, you know, labor and, 
and and serve you know humanity in this way and we also have these 250 volunteer lawyers many of whom have now started to write letters to attorneys general across the united states um warning them um of uh reckless endangerment of of fraud of misleading advertising various crimes that pfizer is committing specifically well there are many things which you've helped expose and i know just this week, I think it was a few days ago, you were talking about hypertension. Um, and whenever the lay person hears terms, they think, well, it doesn't sound good. Uh, but on the article, you put that it's known as elevated blood pressure, a serious medical condition that significantly increases the risk of heart, brain, kidney, and other diseases. And you were talking about this of what you've pulled out from the Pfizer, but also from Veer's data, which just adds to everything else that is coming out. Do you want to let us know what you've found on that? Sure. It's very important. I mean, this this team has found so many headlines that really have saved lives, and this is another one. Um, so someone very close to me who whom I cannot name perfectly healthy 84-year-old woman, perfectly healthy before she got three injections, Moderna, um, was taken to the hospital over the past weekend uh, because of tightness in her chest and they diagnosed hypertension, which literally this is a woman who has eaten right her entire life, exercised her entire life. She's the right weight for her height. She's just everything right. You know hypertension in our family, nothing, right? And suddenly this manifests. So, um, of course, her doctors are like, as they always are with all of these side effects with everyone I know who's being injured by vaccines, the doctor's like, we have no idea. And then it's literally right there in the Pfizer documents, you know, like whatever it is these people are suffering from that they didn't suffer from before. Uh, you know, we do a search with this tool, yeah. one of our uh, volunteers created called Abstractor, and, and there it is. So I asked Amy Kelly to search for hypertension or high blood pressure in the Pfizer documents. Mm -hmm. And she found 242 different iterations. And then she searched the VARS database. And what the results she got were 108,000 rows of data. So, and, and the, the system said, we can't even print this out for you. You have to resubmit under 10,000 rows each. Um, so it was like a signal so massive, it broke the pipeline essentially. And the, for your audience in the UK, excuse me, and even in the US um, and around the world, the VARS database is supposed to be the thing that catches signals of harm that the CDC, our Center for Disease Control, our big kind of medical safety uh, agency is supposed to be monitoring. Like that's Rochelle Walensky's job. That's literally her main job. And 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 here is a signal so massive yeah. that you know it kind of overwhelmed her own system. And yet it was Amy Kelly in a guest bedroom in Denver, Colorado, who found it, and me in a guest bedroom in Salem, Massachusetts, who's announcing it to the world instead of the multi-billion-dollar CDC, you know, with funded with our tax dollars. Um, and then Dr. Ely did an, a, a recheck. Yeah. He verified her results. Um, and he also, he's a, a VARS uh, CDC expert because of his own work with Senators uh, Linthicum and Senator Thatcher in Oregon with a grand jury investigation demand of the CDC for uh, rec for um, data mishandling. Mm. And, and he found tens of thousands of results um, of high blood pressure in the VARS database and 1500 people died, 1500 people died. And, and the, again, the variations on high blood pressure are, are so massive. And, and we now have Vigilant Fox who's joined us, which I'm proud to say, he's a wonderful kind of commentator who boils down stories and creates videos. And he's, he's a former nurse. And he explained, I, I'm like, why is hypertension a big deal? Why do we care about it? Yeah. It doesn't sound that serious, right? Um, and he explained, you know, that it's it can be very dangerous. He explained it in his piece about what we found. And uh, Dr. Ely elaborated on why hypertension is so serious. You can die of it. Um, people are dying of it. So 
you know, the, we have to add these 1500 people minimum because VARS underreports by uh, one, I'm sorry, VRS is estimated to report only one to 10% of the true number of adverse events. So we've got, you know, s- scores, what would it be? If you've got 1500, we could have 15,000 yeah. um, people dead of hypertension who would not have been dead of hypertension prior to receiving the mRNA vaccines. And also the last thing I'll say about this is that all of these horrible pieces are starting to fit together, Peter, medically. Um, Mm -hmm. I've talked about lipid nanoparticles. They're an industrial fat. Well, they're in our, they're in your blood now, you know, if you've been vaccinated. So there are all these clotting effects, these thrombocytopenia, you know, lung, lung clots, blood clots. The Pfizer documents are full of clots. And, you know, nurses have even described the difference between vaccinated being very viscous and unvaccinated blood um, being a different color and and not not so thick. These industrial fats exist. They're like a like the opposite of an emulsifier. They exist to thicken things. Right. And as I reported earlier, and I'm surprised no one's really paying attention to this, but it's more of a kind of industrial product discussion than a medical product mm-hmm. discussion, which may be why the doctors are not wading into it. But but lipid nanoparticles, they they solidify at room temperature. Yeah. They, they, they get thicker as you warm them. And I, I warned everyone, remember all that weird chilling that has to be so cold, it has to be so cold. Yeah. And I did a piece on the variability, I think we talked about this, mm-hmm. of, of instructions about how cold to keep the vaccines. Well, what good does it do to keep yeah. this material super freezing chilled in a freezer if you inject it into a human body which is 98.6 degrees fahrenheit you know something else celsius uh, you know it's going to change and and so if you think about what um hypertension does to the heart right it makes the heart work harder to uh and it pushes the blood against the arteries you know more than it should be pushed against the arteries and that's that's an effect you would get if, if your blood is sticky, as Dr. Ely said. Um, and he actually has a different mechanism for what causes the sticky blood and explained that in more detail. But, you know, there could be multiple factors, yeah. you know, ruining people's blood, blood basically, in circulation. And I'm, you know, I'm just heartsick about this. And, and I, hope, I hope millions of people watch this interview because right now, pretty much nobody knows outside you, me, and, and the War Room posse and whoever's mm-hmm. reading you know, our sub stacks about this, that, that this is happening. That's a side effect. Well, one of the things that really has worried me is the whole issue of blood transfusion. And I know there have been one case in New Zealand with uh, parents losing access to their child because they, they wanted the child to have a transfusion with unvaccinated blood. And I know, I think on Daily Cloud, there's an interview there with an organization that looks at this. And and that's a a whole other area because many of us no longer trust our health system. And therefore, what happens if you're in need of of blood? Um, And that's a huge step because uh, very few of us have any idea of how to even set up a system whereby that's available Um, Mm. because you obviously don't want to receive blood if it is infected with something that can cause damage to your body. Absolutely. And this is, it's such a heartbreaking, unbelievable story, but it's also Mm. so predictable. I mean, I say unbelievable and predictable at the same time. Those are the times we're living in. Um, Months and months ago, I warned on War Room that the that the last step of this train we were on would be that people's children would be removed from them. Um, that is the ultimate leverage. And, and that's what we're seeing in formerly, formerly free, formerly enlightened New Zealand and, you know, subsequently around the world. Like if yeah. we don't fight this fight in every country, you know, that's going to be everywhere. Um, the, the whole world is, you know, going to be like China and, and now like New Zealand. Um, and like Australia in horrible ways and, you know, on and on. And, you know, I'm hearing terrible things about Britain, about restricting assembly. I need to find out more about that or restricting travel. Uh, But back to your question about blood, it is true that, you know, I don't believe anything these people say anymore either. I mean, my loved ones said with relief that this bracelet she'd been assigned to wear 
uh, someone had told her returns um, unreliably high numbers. And so she was getting a different kind of medical bracelet. And my first thought was, well, of course it does, you know, because that's how you guarantee um, the endless consumption of the, uh, the hypertension medications, which are made by guess who Pfizer. So um, yeah, I don't trust any of them. The blood supply is a, a bad question, but, but predictably, you know, unvaccinated semen, unvaccinated eggs, unvaccinated surrogate moms Mm. and, and unvaccinated blood are going to be the black market or the, you know, the gold of, of the near future if they aren't already. And I do think we have to create an alternative, you know, medical system as well as an alternative scientific system, alternative economic system. But I know that some doctors have started to do this. I know that Dr. Alexander and Dr. McCullough uh, and other dissident doctors have united in something I think is called the Wellness Project. Um, and I just would refer people to them and to FLCCC and to to Dr. Ely because I don't know that they have access to unvaccinated blood, but I think we're going to start to have like networks of donors, yeah. you know, informally. Um, you know, people saying like, I'll, I'll step in for your baby. I'm type O or I'm unvaccinated. I mean, it's got, it's going to be like a, an underground railroad, you know, medically. Well, I, I don't know whether it'll be that people just have a, a small freezer at home and they stick their blood in. It's, it's a strange where, again, we have to look for solutions to the madness that we face and yeah. the solutions can be very different from what's been, what's been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but then over in, uh, I, it, it seems to be that there is actually more voices, certainly in the in the political realm. Over here, we've had Andrew Bridge, an MP, who's stood up and and called for mRNA vaccines to be immediately suspended, certainly with children. Um, and I know I, I watched the whole day of meetings with uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Um, Senator Rand Paul has been very vocal, as has Ron DeSantos. Um, is that? Are you seeing a change because you're putting the information out, others are putting the information out. It is all there to read and to make an informed decision that this is not good. We must uh, immediately suspend until further notice. Are we seeing a change with some of our politicians actually waking up to it? Uh, I mean, yes, yes and no. Um, uh, I I think it's huge that um, you had a parliamentarian call for this uh, and you know culturally when a when a taboo is broken you know that's that has a big impact even if you don't get immediate yeah. colleagues rushing to stand next to him or you know immediate positive press coverage um things are changing not fast enough not comprehensively enough uh the the change in uh, you know, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I'm now an independent, but the change in the makeup of the House in the United States starting in January uh, that Republicans will be in charge, um, that is that is having a ripple effect, you know, around the world or c- certainly around the West because um, different people will be able to uh, hold investigations, yeah. uh, have subpoena power. And so if there have been alliances, for instance, between Britain and the US, which there often are, around these issues, those will be disclosed. Um, and, and you know, I, I guess I, I just don't get that. I'm happy about it, but I'm also very annoyed because what you're going to start to see is rats jumping ship, you know, or, or people, and I'm seeing this with the, you know, literati and the intelligentsia, uh, uh, oh, I never believed that. I was always there with you. You know, I, yeah. you know, with that, things were crazy, right? I mean, yeah. you know, um, and uh, so people are trying to get ahead of indictments and they're trying to lay down paper trails in the event of investigation. And in some cases, and I think we'll see this with people like Rochelle Walensky, Dr. Walensky, Dr. Fauci, um, and my husband, Brian O'Shea, an investigator in uh, many years in the intelligence community points this out. The first person to get to turning on their peers, you know, gets a reduced sentence or other kinds mm. of, you know, it, it, immunity. Um, so I think we're going to see a rush to throw others under the bus once the, the Republicans take power. Um, 
you know, but it's it's not enough. I mean, there are still ads every day, people tell me in states across my country, telling people to inject their children. Um, there's still, the CDC still lies every single day. I can't believe what I saw just this morning. The CDC is telling people on its website that teenagers and minors have a right to choose vaccination of any kind in spite of their parents' wishes. It's not true, it's a lie, but they just lie and lie and lie. Um, Dr. Ely broke this story uh, yesterday when I interviewed him, or the day before, I beg your pardon, that it's shocking. He he found that the CDC has removed 32,000 cases. I may have the number slightly, uh, I'll say tens of thousands till I can check the number, but um, cases of uh, myocarditis from the VARS database between September and December just removed them, which is mm -hmm. illegal and probably has to do with, you mentioned DeSantis, Governor DeSantis's yeah. and uh, Dr. Latipo's plans for a grand jury investigation. The, you know, that's Dr. Walensky covering up evidence of a crime, right? Or trying to. So yes, things are changing, but as a journalist, I guess I'm, I'm especially angry as a journalist because the Guardian isn't, joining you in and saying you know here's investigative reporting we've done this has to stop they took the money the bbc took all the money you know they're not joining you in in actually investigating the that spike the doubling of baby deaths they call it a spike to hide the number in scotland you know uh, i mean so many things are not happening with the news media because of the pipeline of money and because of their own complicity. They committed yep. crimes too. They took the money and they have blood on their hands and people died. And I don't know how that will play out um, in terms of litigation, but I know that when this worm actually turns and the bodies have been duly counted, you know, and that the disabilities and the, you know, every country now is showing a signal of dramatic 13% rise in Australia above the norm for deaths, unexplained deaths, 20%, I believe, in Germany, you know, and that the unborn babies, the drop in babies that Igor yeah. Chu documented, an average of 20%, I believe, worldwide in the databases he's looked at, you know, media are going to be hauled into court for participating in fraud and, and reckless endangerment. Um, and I'm a free speech absolutist, but they deserve to because it is illegal to endanger people and kill them by by covering things up and, and, and forcing them basically to make choices they wouldn't make otherwise. So it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, and how, how do you think that? Because what one of the headlines from um, Senator Ron Johnson's hearings was, and, and I think you covered Daily Cloud, analysis shows 26% worse mortality amongst mRNA vaccinated. So at the, the information is out there. At some point, people have to be held to account. And Often in the UK, uh, being held to account means actually promoted or given a better job somewhere. That's how you're held to account. Um, heads do not roll. And I'm, I'm guessing at some point, uh, those in charge in the CDC, in the farm industry, need to... Um, be penalized, be punished for what's happened. And I don't, is that private prosecutions? Is that state by state? Is the whole DeSantos being vocal? Is that a breakthrough in that area? Well, DeSantos being, you know, more than vocal, he's, he's calling for, yes. um, you know, a grand jury investigation yeah. and uh, that's serious. And he's the first governor to do that. And I, I, I know that um, his popularity is off the charts. So, uh, punishment for COVID crimes is going to play very, very well in many parts of our country and, and probably in yours as well, because, mm -hmm. you know, the truth has a way of coming out. And I, I in, in spite of Britain being in a more uh, kind of opaque bubble, information bubble than the U.S., from what I can see, um, there are people like you and people like Mark, Mark Stein and, you know, a few other truth tellers and, and people are just aren't stupid. You know, they look around and, and look at the symptoms that their loved ones experience and they put pieces together over time. Um, so yes, DeSantis's approach is important again, culturally by breaking that seal, you know, not just saying, well, yeah. like, because what, what the evildoers want to do now is, is, you know, like that Emily Oster piece, you know, we didn't know the science was evolving. It's time for amnesty. Yeah. You know, let's, you know, make s'mores and sing Kumbaya. Um, you know, 
crazy, crazy times. And that's, there's a reason there was a Nuremberg trial after World War II. There's a reason that the Nazi doctors were hanged, Um, you know, and and along, along with the Nazi doctors, people in journalism who promoted Nazi, uh, Nazi policies were also punished. And that has to happen, right? If that hadn't happened, you know, Nazism would have reared its ugly head much earlier. Uh, But uh, how can I put it? I think that there's a risk that um, the move on forces will prevail unless we are very uh, assertive and strategic and organized. Um, And here's, here's one reason why Um, though, you know, even though the Republicans are in power in the U S Bill and Melinda Gates are, you know, still out there, you know, pouring money into every news outlet, filling the coffers of, left and right um in and and the same pharma money goes to to your country you know and and the same non uh, big tech money goes you know to distort your media and your social discourse and the other thing is that i just have to be honest we fought really hard in the united states to get some of our um democracy back like really hard grassroots moms organizing people doing audits people kind of educating themselves through, you know, entities like Bill Kim, what does the law really say? You know, how do I talk to my, you know, showing up in Albany, showing up at their, um, their state houses in, in Britain. I'm sorry to say this. I love Britain dearly. You're in a, you're in a post-democratic situation now. I I mean, I, I created Bill Kim partly because I did an informal poll of people around me in Oxford in a pub, like, five years ago and said, do you know how to lobby your um, member of parliament? And do you know how to, and this was when Britain was still part of the European Union, do you know how to, you know, lobby your uh, MEP? And nobody knew. And and uh, there's no disrespect to the British. Your system has deliberately been made one of the greatest democracy, the the original democracy in the world. The the process of, as you know, from having worked in parliament, you know, the, the, lobbying of your representative process is so opaque and um, mysterious that that people have been completely disempowered. And the last thing I'll say, and then I will really stop, is part of why we're so eager to launch uh, Daily Cloud and Bill Cam UK is that part of the reason I designed it the way I did is from having looked at parliament.uk and in your legislative database, it is literally impossible to find out what the laws are. I mean, my book was smeared, a book I wrote about um, 19th century British uh, laws about sodomy, was smeared and attacked based on a law that no one could find, right, (laughs) in a legislative database that was completely opaque. Um, And and, and when you try to follow parliament.gov.uk, it often sends you in a circle and it ends in a dead link or it says things like, well, these laws are in scrolls and you have to be a lawyer to access them. Like scrolls? Like that is not a thing in the digital <laughs> era. And and so it's, it's very disturbing um, that digital technology is used to put forward a face of accessibility, especially in Britain, but actually used to hide and conceal legislation and legislative processes from the citizens. But I I care a lot about this. No, our laws are opaque and also um, uh, can be read in so many different ways. And that's the problem. And then the courts spend their time trying to make sense of bad legislation, which keeps getting different amendments put on it. Um, But I want to finish off just about, you said about Bill and Melinda Gates are still around, talked about the the money going into institutions. And uh, one of those institutions is Yale University. And you put up uh, a number of things. Obviously, you were at Yale, which I think said the third oldest university in the States. Then look back and Oxford was there 300 years before. So, but we'll not even get into that. You guys win. (laughs) (laughs) You've you've spoken about this and highlighted the, the money going into to Yale, and I guess that that control. Um, tell us tell us about that because that shows the I guess the hold uh, that these large institutions have on our education system. 
Yeah, that was a shocker. So I was invited to speak at a rally outside of Yale against this hellish policy the university has mandated that even if students, undergraduates, healthy undergraduates have both the initial injections and a booster, they have to take the bivalent booster before they can even come back to campus after winter break and resume their studies. And this is, I mean, you can imagine how insane this is as more and more and more evidence uh, mounts up that particularly young adults are at greater, I mean, the British uh, Medical Journal just ran a piece just in time for Yale to save face if it repeals its mandate, by the way, but uh, you know, whatever works, um, you know, pointing out that young adults, it's unethical to have university mandates because young adults are at more risk from the injection yeah. and myocarditis. And they don't, you know, not to mention the menstrual problems that women are suffering. Um, than they are from uh, the virus itself. And so I, I gave a speech, uh, you know, I, I am a mom and if parents don't speak up about, sure. and I'm an alumna, you know, and if parents and alumni don't speak up to protect these undergraduates and, and the faculty and staff are not mandated, meaning the administration isn't mandated. It's just the kids. It's just oh. the students, right? Makes no sense at all. No sense at all. And so I thought, well, what, you know, usually there's money driving insane policies. Uh, and uh, again, my got to credit Brian O'Shea, the world's best investigator. He quickly found the money trail by looking at a database of government funding called TAGGS, and as well as Yale's own internal records. And <laughs> Yale makes 200 million more every year from HHS grants than from than from tuition. So Yale gets $600 million a year from HHS, uh, about 400 plus from tuition. And so they need HHS more than they need their students. So they're basically, at my, in my argument, trafficking their students. Yale has received $6 billion from HHS since 1998, $1.7 billion since COVID began. And, you know, I, I broke out individual grants and there's so much nonsensical bribery, like, you know, over a million dollars to go to Karachi to look at burial grounds to assess the impact of COVID, to look at burial grounds. You don't know how they died, right? They're dead. They're buried. Um, you know, not looking at medical records, not looking at, you know, like, look, look, physically look at burial grounds or 3.4 million for student emergency COVID care. And it takes you to a dead link. What, what did they use that for? Forced injections, you know, distance learning, who knows? But the point is, they're literally trafficking the kids. And I looked at um, the Connecticut and federal law against human trafficking, and it literally applies to what Yale is doing, because it, you don't have to be sexually trafficked or transported to be trafficked. You have to be forced or coerced to provide labor or services that you have a legal right to refuse. And that's literally what's happening to the bodies of students at Yale. And for sure, as I said in my speech, there are going to be young men hmm. whose hearts are damaged, uh, who could drop dead, young women who will be permanently injured uh, menstrually um, with I mean, in the Pfizer documents, the horrors around menstruation, uh, there are 20 different names in the Pfizer documents for horrible things that happen to your body menstrually, like menstruating always, right? Or two periods, like, can you imagine being a female student menstruating every single day of your life or, you know, two periods a month or horrible hemorrhages, agonizing cramps. So, you know, in addition to trafficking, in my view, it's also a violation of Title IX because there are certainly going to be inflicting on some of those undergraduate women um, infertility and agonizing, um, just an agonizing disability. Uh, so that was what I had to say there. And I, I hope and believe they're hearing from alumni and parents, but sadly from what I heard from at least one parent, um, Yale is tasking this horrible woman named Stephanie Spengler, Dr. Spengler, with managing the calls from distraught parents. Stephanie Spengler was the woman tasked with managing my trying to file a grievance against an active sexual predator on campus. She's the managing of, you know, injustices mm. and, and she literally is sending parents in circles. They're, they're not saving the kids yet. It's,
the kids are still at risk. And I don't know the situation in, in the UK. I mean, are they mandating Oxford and Cambridge students? or is, like? Um, it, I, I, it, I think it depends on some. I, I talked to a friend of mine and sadly they were going to university for medicine and sadly they made the choice to, to get injected to be able to go. Um, it, it seems to be that there are quite a number of universities. It's not across the board. And of course, they make their own decisions uh, each time. Um, and after someone's been accepted, everything's ready. And then suddenly they say, oh, of course, you're you're vaccinated. And, you know, at some point, the closer you get to actually attending, it's too late. You can't just go and change your mind and, no. and go elsewhere. And so it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's exactly, I'm sorry to jump in there, Peter, but this is, you know, super painful what you're describing. Mm. This young woman, Phoebe Liu, is a University of Connecticut student. She's like 19 or 20. She said that they dangle just what you said, you know, they're on campus, they've chosen their yeah. classes, they've paid their money, and that the university dangles their future like a, yeah, yeah. A, a lure on a string and withholds it, you know, for these constantly escalating physical requirements. And, you know, as I, as I put it in my speech, it's not just the harm to these young people's bodies, uh, you know, what it's doing to them psychologically is, is going to yeah. scar them for life. And, and they're, they're being groomed to accept a terrorizing reality in which authorities can do anything at any time to you. And again, in the UK, you don't get to choose. So you turn up and you get injected into whatever they have that day. So I've talked to doctors who have gone for the jabs and they have no idea what they're going to get. They just, well, whatever they put in me. And that level of absolute belief and confidence in your government is frightening but that's what we are they don't know what brand or what dose oh when they arrive if they're if they ask they can be told but whenever you make an appointment you can't say i would prefer to have uh, the johnson johnson because not an mrna as opposed to pfizer you don't get to choose that you turn up and you get whatever they give you on the day no choice I just want to tell people that the Pfizer documents show that Moderna is three times more lethal than Pfizer. And of course, Pfizer is more lethal than J&J. Wow. Mm. On that happy note, <laughs> we will finish off. Um, thank you, Dr. Naomi Wolf, for joining us. It's absolutely wonderful to have you on. And thank you for coming on, sharing what Daily Cloud have been doing over the, the last year and what you've been doing. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Peter. Um, and I, I should end by saying, uh, you know, it has been a year of great progress when all of us have been fighting together. So let's hope that 2023 will be sane and healthy and back to, uh, you know, post, uh, post-enlightenment post discourse um, and, and liberty for all. And thank you so much for your support uh, for our work as well. No, not at all. And just to our viewers and listeners that we finished, do, if you haven't already got Bodies of Evidence, it is a wonderful Christmas present to give to someone to help open their eyes a little bit. So I'd encourage you to get a, a copy. If you can't get a hard copy, as I said, it's available certainly on ebook and also audio. So give you can find it any way you like and pass it on to you. one of your friends, colleagues, relatives. Uh, they can have a listen to that over the Christmas period. Um, but... On that, thank you to our viewers and listeners for tuning in and we'll be back with you on Monday for our next interview. So thank you and goodbye. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.